Welcome to this solo episode of the Reparenting Podcast with me, Melissa Maurice. In this episode, we'll be diving into emotions. Now, emotions are one of my favorite topics. I work with emotions quite heavily in all of my group programs and one-to-ones because they really are the biggest transformers in our relationship with ourselves. And that's what reparenting is all about. It's all about really radically understanding yourself in a different way and behaving towards yourself in a different way by embodying your own ideal parent towards yourself. Now, last episode, I talked about stories and how to identify stories that we hold about ourselves and how to upgrade them. Now, when we start to do that, we use the mind to try and change things, we can often feel a lot of emotional resistance in ourselves, And that's because we can't do everything with the mind. As much as our society would love for us to do everything intellectually, there's also a whole emotional body element to us as humans that sadly has been neglected, in, especially in Western society, in modern-day society. We're quite an emotionally repressed culture, which seems quite intense to say, but if you really look at our school systems and and all of our structures that are set up for our success, it's all intellectual, it's all academic, and we see very little attention paid to the emotional aspect of our well-being. And recently there's been such an uprise in mental health issues, and I think that's really brought to the attention how much we need to pay more care towards our emotional well-being. So a story that we might have, for example, like, I don't have enough time for myself. It's a really common one, especially as a parent, mother, see it in myself a lot. <laughs> and if we start to shift that story in, in the last episode, you can go back and learn how to do that. But for example, let's try and shift it to a more positive story, something like, when I make time for myself, everything changes for the better. And when we start to do that, we can start to feel a lot of resistance because we've set our whole lives up often around these stories. And they're, they're so embedded in our subconscious that we can start to feel a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of fear, a lot of these like lower emotions when we start to take up more space and change our boundaries. So in this episode, we'll be really diving into why it's important to hold space for those emotions. And imagine a life with no emotion. Imagine if we really didn't feel we would have no color, no meaning to our lives. And, you know, in Chinese medicine, they talk about how all emotions are positive. And I think really what's happened in, in modern day society is that we've really pushed away certain emotions, lower emotions. And when we do that, we also narrow our experience of the higher emotions. So if you really push down your sadness, then you really won't feel as much joy. And you see this really playing out, you know, like with children, like when we're younger, it's, very rare that all our emotions are held properly. I don't know how you feel when you see a child screaming on the street or wherever you are. Before I was a parent, that used to be 
really annoying for me. <laughs> and that's an indication, if you're triggered by that, that you are unable to be comfortable with that level of emotion. And you also see adults explaining it away, like they're tired, they're hungry. It's never truly validated in the full experience of what they're really feeling. But all emotions are necessary. All emotions have a purpose. So, for example, fear can really alert us of danger, keep us safe. While anger can protect us and show us where our boundaries are, and sadness can help us let go. And then shame can really help recorrect our behavior. And how society and our caregivers respond to our emotions is going to be how we now respond to ourselves. So if these emotions are shut down when we're younger, it's very likely they'll still be shut down now, unless we've done the work, unless we've done some work on really regulating ourselves. And that's because our nervous system is formed in those first seven years. And I really recommend you go to the interview episode with Beth Brissett, who's a, a nervous system coach. And she talks really well about how this happens and how we cannot regulate our emotions as children, as young children. We need an adult to really hold our emotions and regulate us. And so if our caregiver or anyone around us couldn't hold our emotions, it means that we wouldn't be able to hold them ourselves. And, you know, as adults, we still co-regulate with each other. We still need each other's nervous systems to, to regulate. And that's why you'll see, you know, when you um, go and spend time with your family and they'll say something and they'll, they'll trigger you and you'll all dysregulate each other. <laughs> and when you live in a household, there is a, a beautiful symbiosis that's happening between you and the other people in that household within your nervous systems. And our nervous systems are amazing because they are completely individual to us. They hold a blueprint of our entire life. So if you want to dive in deeper, I'd go to that episode with Beth Brissett because it's really fascinating. So at this point, I really want to hold space for anyone who's thinking, but I had a great childhood, you know, and I hear this so often. I hear two different stories. The first story is I had an awful childhood and there's so much toxic emotion and uh, someone's unable to really move through that. Then it's still being stuck in their body. But the other more common one is I had a great childhood. There's nothing to challenge in my childhood. And what, I'm saying here is not that your parents or whoever brought you up was doing a bad job. That is not it at all. But everybody has a limit on how they were held emotionally. Everybody has a way that they had to survive in a in a world that is not very comfortable with emotions. So you need to begin this process of really understanding yourself so that you can begin to reparent. And hold yourself in a different way so that you can hold everyone around you in a different way. And what often happens in our culture is that when we get emotional, we can project that onto other people. We can blame other people for our emotional response. And there's not a lot of taking responsibility for our internal world. So we're going to break some of that down in this episode and try and see if we take back control of our internal worlds, because that's the only thing we can control, right? 
So let's look beneath the surface. What happens when you get emotional? Maybe you get annoyed at yourself. Or maybe you feel a bit helpless and you seek to find somebody to, to help you come out of it. Maybe you seek to fix yourself. Or you shut it down completely. But can you look for the mirror and how your caregivers held you in that emotional response? I had a client that had a bit of a light bulb moment in one of my programs when I was talking about this. And she realized that when she was younger, she was sent to her room every time she got upset. She wasn't allowed to be upset in front of her loved ones, her parents, the people that she loved most in the world. And so now she was seeing as an adult, every time she got upset, she did not feel safe to be around even her, her child, her husband. She would just take herself off, shut it down as much as she could. Now, again, we're not blaming our parents for this. We're not blaming the people that did this because we know they're doing the best with the tools that they had. And what we want to do is to use reparenting to go beyond any blocks that were put in place before we can remember. But the important thing is to have the awareness because when we have the awareness, we can start to reshape our inner world. Are there any specific emotions that you do find it hard to handle? Some of us are really good at holding some emotions and some of us can really struggle with others. And this can be really gender specific as well. So women are often shut down in their anger. Men are often shut down in their tears and their sadness. So for me, I was always quite dominant in my anger is coming from a Mediterranean family. And so that was a bit safer for me as a woman. So it's a cultural context as well. And can you really look at what emotions make you feel deeply uncomfortable, where which there might be some others that you feel much more free? And what we're trying to do is to go beyond our conditioning, go beyond where we were told it was okay to be this and not okay to be that, so that we can be much more authentic and we can be free to experience and feel whatever we need to feel in any moment. We need to learn to hold and regulate our own emotions for ourselves, and get out of that stuckness of anything that we've experienced in the past. So let's look closely at what is an emotion. An emotion is simply energy in motion. Physical sensation in your body happens, and the signs of emotion shows that they act like waves, uncomfortable emotions specifically, uh, last between 60 and 90 seconds. And they move through the body like a wave, and, woof, and then down. And I don't know about you, but I've had so many uncomfortable emotions that have lasted a lot longer than 90 seconds. And that's because we need to be fully present with the emotion for it to be processed. But often what happens is the mind gets in the way and wants to control our experience, our thoughts step in, and perhaps tell us a story about why this is happening and what we can do about it and how we can fix it. And then the emotion can last for hours, if not days, months, years. Now, children don't do that because the young children are not in that thinking mind. So they can be really present to their feelings. 
They are wonderful teachers around this. And they also don't have that language. So a, a word on language, sometimes people can be really good at, at, at vocalizing their emotions. I'm feeling angry about this. And that is really wonderful. We do really want to see that, but we also want to be able to feel because the language, once you start to decipher what you're feeling, you are moving towards your mind. So I'd always start at the physical and what's going on physically in your body. And can you hold your awareness there before moving to the mind, before moving to a story or an analysis of what's going on? There's a big difference between emotions and stories. Often when I ask people how they're feeling, they come up with a story. And that you can really tell how emotionally attuned they are to themselves when they do that. So it could be something along the lines of, I'm feeling unappreciated, or I'm feeling that this is unfair, or I'm feeling a bit lost. None of these are emotions. These are stories. And it's really important that we differentiate between a true emotion and a story. So I want you to get clear on what an emotion really is. An emotion can be something like sadness, fear, or anger, shame. And these are all uncomfortable emotions I'm talking about. But, and they can also come in many different shades of those things. So anger could be also labeled as frustration or irritation or rage on the other end of the scale. These are all the different nuances to these emotions. And there's also nuance in those higher emotions like happiness, like joy, like calm and stillness, even peace. All of these are emotions. And if you're unclear the difference between an emotion and a story, I would encourage you to look at the feelings wheel from Julia Wilcox. And I'll drop it in the show notes. She's got a beautiful chart that you can print out or you can put on your phone and you can better understand the nuances of emotions and start to really identify them in yourself. Because the problem is when you get caught in a story rather than the emotion, the mind takes over and the mind will keep going with that story. And the story is usually about somebody else making you feel a certain way. And what we want to do is take back responsibility for our own feelings and reparent ourselves rather than waiting for somebody else to try and fix us. And the important part is that we are just compassionate towards all emotions that surface. And we really want to validate ourselves because it's quite often the case that we just were not validating our emotions and that's why they're stuck and we hold on to them. So when I say validate, it can be really simple. It's okay to feel this way. Okay for me to feel this way. I'm allowed to be feeling this. And you can name it, but you can also just say it, this, it. Not need to know what it is. When we try to move through an emotion without that peace, we can experience resistance. And what we resist persists. And what we want to do is overcome the blocks that have been set in place when we were younger by becoming that compassionate, loving parent to ourselves. 
when we notice resistance or emotions, can we start to respond differently to our, to ourselves and be kinder, be more gentle, validate ourselves, and just be okay with whatever we're feeling. Not try to force it out or ignore it, distract it. But it's also worth saying that our inner critic was formed in these formative years. Between zero and seven is when our inner critic is said to be formed. We do have those theta brainwaves, those hypnosis brainwaves. So often it can be programmed. Our inner critic can form the same kind of tone and voice as a parent or a caregiver. And some people's inner critics can be really strong. They can be really overwhelming and overpowering. And it might not be that you ever manage to eradicate that inner critic, but you can begin to objectify it. You can begin to turn down the volume and get back a bit more space and turn up the volume of that more compassionate, loving parent. And objectifying the voice can be really helpful by calling it a name. So if you recognize a particular caregiver in your inner critic, then you could call it that name, but maybe with an an adjective that tones down the seriousness of it. Or just give a really silly name, like Silly Susie. All of these things can really help us to remember that we are not our thoughts. We are actually the awareness behind our thoughts. And we at any moment can make a choice to what we believe, what we tune into. Now I want to take you through a little experience around your emotions. So please close your eyes unless you're driving. And take your attention down into your body. And I want you to just get curious about any physical sensations that are in your body right now. You can ask your mind to move out of the way. It will want to come back and distract you. But every single time you witness a thought, that is an invitation to come back to the body. That awareness is a way to come back. So what's going on physically in your body right now? Where are your attention going? Is there a density there or a certain type of feeling? Like a fluttering or a boring or a heaviness. What are you feeling and what does it really feel like? Getting really descriptive of what is going on inside your body. Sometimes there's a colour there, a shape. And sometimes a memory can surface and you can allow that. remembering that if there's anything that's distracting you from this experience that isn't relevant I'm just coming back to the body if there's a story coming up 
around this sensation or what's going on physically, then just take note of it. Let's come back to the emotion. And keeping your awareness there, just see if anything shifts as you pay attention to yourself. And then can you find any feeling? It's okay if you don't have any language, an actual emotion. But if you do, can you just validate that? It could be, it's okay to feel what I'm feeling right now. What I'm feeling right now is so normal. It's so welcomed. And can you embody a really loving parent to yourself and just welcome all of that emotional experience that's going on? Give yourself love and compassion for what's surfacing. And it might be a positive thing that's surfacing. That's so lovely, right? Whatever is surfacing, can you just be with it? And if you have a child yourself or you're close to one, how would you love to be able to respond to them if they were feeling this way? I'm just thanking yourself for just taking a few moments to be with whatever you're feeling. It's a very powerful practice, a very simple but very powerful practice. And I'd encourage you to come back to this, especially in those moments where you're feeling uncomfortable in your feelings. You can open your eyes. Again, hopefully that gets you a bit more insight into what I'm talking about when I say just concentrate on the physical. We don't want the mind to get involved in any way. We want to just be with the emotion. And the emotion can be a very simple physical aspect in our body. The important part is that you just give yourself attention. And we so often forget to do that. We're running around in our lives and we distract ourselves so much and we forget to just tend to ourselves as if we were a child. But when we can do that, you give yourself back the attention that you might have missed when you were a child. Now, these emotions are such an essential part of the process that I help people work through to reparent themselves, through reparent through triggers or any bigger patterns. And in the next episode, I'll be going through that process with you, a takeaway process that you can use when you find yourself being triggered, either during or after, or to really work through some bigger stories within yourself. I want you to practice Hopefully you've got a new story that you're working on. And when you start to take the actions that I encouraged, can you really hold space for the emotions beneath it? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please do subscribe and check out my other episodes with really inspiring wellness experts. I hope to see you here again soon. 
You've been listening to the Reparenting Podcast with me, Melissa Maurus. I'm a reparenting coach and I run various programs on this topic. I also hold a regular mother's circle called It Takes a Village. If you enjoyed this episode, please do hit subscribe. And if there's someone you feel would benefit from hearing it, please do pass it on. This podcast was edited and produced by Emma Tyndall. Thanks so much for listening.